You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, you dirty degenerates. Let's talk about the Packers. <laughs> Thought I'd mix it up. You know, try something new. This is a Packernet podcast. So today, I think we're just going to pick up where we left off. It'll be more seamless and smooth. We'll get into the OTAs tomorrow. The OTA. And then uh, after that, we'll uh, we'll get back to our reg- regular scheduled programming in which I make fun of the Naperville Bears. Um, but to start off on the, uh, let's just say, on the agenda today, we have Elton Jenkins, Samori Ture, and then finally, Matt LaFleur. I don't think that'll take the whole time, so we'll we'll uh, move on after that. Maybe to the Naperville Bears, I don't know. Naperville Bears, that team is so stupid. <laughs> so we'll start off kind of where we left off again. You know, and, and this is, again, I, I have beaten this point to death, but there's always more points. Because it's so painfully obvious that it's all good and nothing bad that there's just going to continue to be positive points about it. But if you want to know why OTAs are a good thing to attend, ask the 99% of uh, football players that attend them, and they will happily tell you why they showed up. And no, it's not just for bonuses for all of them. Here's what Elton Jenkins had to say. What you getting out of it? Yeah, they feel good, you know, being out here with the teammates, just um, building camaraderie, um, and just being able to play football and have fun with each other. So, and, and, and again, not to bring it back to David Bakhtiari, but Elton Jenkins, let's just say that he is only there for money. Was that his answer? No. His answer was, like everybody else's, we're building camaraderie. We're getting back into playing football, right? Getting back into football shape, kind of getting back into the swing of things, especially offensive line. It's not just you playing. You don't just play in a vacuum. You play in relation to the guys next to you. And so getting that started is kind of important. And then a couple questions later, I found this to be quite funny. So have you crossed over into the old guy status now? Uh, I think, I think yeah, I have. You know, <laughs> all the young guys calling me OG and all that. So, um, you know, four years ago, I was the youngest guy. But, yeah, you know, I crossed over to the OGs. So first of all, I feel like Elton Jenkins is is 24 years old and hasn't even been here that long. I'm I'm blown away that we're talking about four years ago and 27 years old but be that as it may the fact that the his teammates not Bakhtiari but probably everybody else are calling him OG he's 27 
He's one of the older guys, one of the veteran guys. He's, he just signed his new contract. As in, like, he just came off his rookie contract. It's crazy that you got guys who last year were on a rookie contract are now considered the OGs. 27 years old, and he's one of the crusty old veterans on the team. Next question, how are you feeling, and how are you feeling about this team? I feel good. I feel good. We got a, a lot of young guys, a lot of guys just flying around, you know, trying to, you know, just find their way in. So, um, it, just like I say, them just giving us effort, energy, and everything else with repetition will take us. So, he, he, he didn't really answer the question. Um, and, and I think in part because he has no idea because it's OTAs and nobody's really done anything quite meaningful yet. We haven't seen what this team looks like. So there is somewhat of a middle ground between, hey, look, we're rebuilding and we're going to show the world what we're about. If I had to guess, I would say Elton Jenkins is somewhat of a skeptic because he understands it's a very young team and it's going to have some limitations and some, some hangups. And although I think, again, most of this answer comes from him just not really knowing and just kind of throwing a boilerplate. This is the second time he's given this answer. You know, oh, we're just looking for effort from these guys, you know, and everything else, as long as they can do that, everything else will be fine. I think this is as negative of an answer as any player, especially a quote-unquote veteran player, should be giving. A very simple, hey man, so far so good. We just, as long as we can keep the energy up, young guys keep doing their part, everything will work out. That's it. And for all I know, he goes to goes home to sleep at night and cries into his pillow because he thinks this team is going to just be absolute trash. But you don't say that publicly to the media. Then he gets pushed on it. Do you view this team as a rebuild? Would you say that? Uh, no, I don't because the talent that we have, it's just it's going to be experience. Um, we got guys that played last year. We got guys that's, that have been in the situation. So um, just bringing, on, bringing along the young guys and making sure that they on top of their things, I feel like we're going to be good. Again. There's only one answer to that question. It doesn't matter what you think. There's only one answer to that question. Even if it's the most obvious boilerplate BS, you give the boilerplate BS. See, and this, this is kind of the, the thing. It used to be back in the day, that's all we used to get. And I like the fact that guys like Rogers or whatever were a little bit more open, a little bit more honest, because we finally got to peek behind the lens or behind the curtain. I guess you kind of behind the lens. It doesn't matter. We got a little bit of an inside scoop into what's real. The problem is that's good for my entertainment. That's good for me as a podcaster to have more actual genuine information as opposed to, you know, again, back in the McCarthy days, man, every single answer was such boilerplate BS. It was all fake. It was all just repeating what the coaches told you to say or what the public relations people told you to say or whatever when they train you how to speak to the media. And you just give no, you give no quarter, man. I mean, anytime there was a negative comment about a player, Mike McCarthy would always defend the player. And that was admirable. But it was also lying because sometimes players suck. And, you know, when you ask a question, it was always the same, you know, we're, we're, we, we have belief in ourselves, and we're going to go out and we're going to, you know, all, all this stuff. And you never heard anything negative. It was, it was all just nonsense. And so I'm not excited to usher back in the days of boilerplate BS. But it is more important that the players on this team have a positive outlook on the team, even if that means lying to yourself and to your teammates, than it is that the general public gets a true insight into your feelings. Because I'm sorry, but your feelings are not as important as the team is. And you expressing your negative feelings toward the team is going to have negative repercussions on the team. So it doesn't matter what you think. Are you guys rebuilding? No. That's it. You lie. 
In this case, I don't think it's a lie, but if you actually do think that because you don't know what the word means, then lie anyways. And he gets asked that same question that pretty much all the other guys got asked. A lot of people on the outside are saying you're going to be worse because Aaron Rodgers left. What do you think about that? Um, me personally, I don't try to pay attention to the media and the things that they say about our team because the only thing that's going to help us be better is what we do on the field and what we do in the locker room. So, um, you know, we just got to go out there and play Packer football and we're going to be good. Right? I mean, that's it. That's, that's the same boilerplate BS. But it's that's th- this is exactly what I'm talking about, by the way, in terms of like, you know, when young guys kind of buy into this um, nonsense that the coaches feed you, that some of the older guys kind of they've heard this story numerous times and have lost numerous times. And after a while, you become a little jaded, you know, do your one eleventh, which I swear I throw up in my mouth every time I hear that. Would you just stop and we fence? Oh, my Matt, you are so freaking lame, dude. Turning a, a grown man f- locker room into a preschool class. It's wee fence. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so bad. You freaking dork. Mike Pettin called his pass rushers kitties, and this guy's out here saying wee fence. <laughs> but the point is we want the young guys to buy into it, right? They have to. Because as we've seen, if you don't believe, you're not going anywhere. Best team in all of football by a mile in 2020. Freaking dominant football team. Got embarrassed. And then they flat out came out and said it was because we didn't believe in ourselves. It's because of this crap. This jaded nonsense of just not believing you belong. That's where you need that kid-like faith and that kid-like wonder and belief that if I just do my best and if we just come together as a team, we can do anything. Stuff that, you know, David Bakhtiari and Aaron Rodgers roll their eyes at. If you guys aren't going to come together and do all that lame rah-rah stuff, then I, I just, I don't have any faith in your team. I just don't. If you don't have faith in your team, I certainly don't have faith in your team. So these are the only acceptable answers. Do, do you uh, think you're rebuilding? No. We're loaded with talent. What do you think about people that say that with Rodgers gone, you guys are going to take a step back? I don't worry about what people on the outside say. So as much as I don't want to necessarily go back to the Mike McCarthy, everything cookie cutter uh, days, if I have to choose between that and people being completely honest about their uh, disbelief in the team and publicly saying it, then bring back the Mike McCarthy boilerplate days. Anyways, a couple questions later, um, talking about the uh, ability to just play one position, which is going to be a big thing, I think, for a lot of guys. I mean, it's nice that the Packers always go out and find versatile players, and it's worked to our benefit a ton to be able to just slide people around as needed with injuries or whatever. But um, at the same time, we've got a lot of guys that rarely are able to just sit and play one position all season. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun just being able to have a whole season, whole camp. I'm just working at one position and just perfecting my craft. So um, I'm expecting big things for myself, know my coaches, and everyone else here. So I'm um, just up from here. And that's true not just of him, that's true of, presumably, I mean, we'll see how everything pans out, but um, that's true of Zach Tom. I mean, even Runyon to some degree, I mean, he's had some time at right guard, but he's he was moved around also from left guard, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, if we really can lock this in, I mean, Josh Myers is probably the only guy, and Bakhtiari, but he's already a stud. But Myers is the only guy that doesn't really have an excuse. You've been sitting at that same position for a long time, it's just time to step up, but you know, looking at Elton Jenkins, we already know he can be a stud, but if we can get him and Bakhtiari a full season or close to it, 
at just being at their best at those positions. Oh my goodness. And again, hopefully the Zach Tom thing ends up being as good as we all know that it can be. Um, obviously there's plenty of reason to be skeptical or, or maybe just not positive that he's going to be great. But at the same time, we haven't had really good right tackle play since Balaga. Balaga was the last guy that was just dominant. And even even he was had this weird thing where every other year it was like he went from mediocre to elite, to mediocre to elite, from media. So it was kind of a weird thing. But Billy Turner never gave us that. Yash Nyman never gave us that. We, we haven't really had that on the right side. It's been manageable. It's been serviceable. But um, it's a relatively, I don't want to say a low bar, but it's not, it, it's not like you're replacing peak Balaga. You're trying to beat out Yash Nyman. And if you can't, that's slightly disappointing. No offense to Yash, but it just is. Next question is, do you ever look to the right side? You know, he played a lot over on the right as well as everywhere else. But do you ever look over there and offer some pointers or anything like that? Yeah, I try to folk, I try to um, look over there, you know, at, at Ryan, Yash, Zach, you know, just making sure that the whole line is moving how we're supposed to move. And um, for the most part, they've been doing um, exactly what they should do. So, and, and it's not anything earth-shattering, but it is just good to hear that, that we have that resource. But again, it just hammers home the exact same point. OTAs are important. It might just only be important about minor stuff, but minor details matter. Things like making sure the offensive line is all moving in unison. And if somebody makes a wrong step or moves the wrong way or whatever, doesn't quite have this thing down, maybe there's a certain call that there's some confusion about, this is when you can iron that out. Well before week one, well before even training camp. By the time you show up there, this offensive line is like a synchronized swimming unit, man. They're like the Blue Angels out there. They're in sync. Next question is, how much have you noticed a difference in Jordan Love, specifically his voice, since taking over as the number one? Yeah, his voice now, he just screams confidence um, in the offense and just the way that we should move. Um, not saying two years ago that he wasn't good, but you just can tell that he never plays. He know what everybody's supposed to do. So, um, yeah, it screams confidence. And, and I think that's obvious. I mean, the first time I saw him at the podium since he took over, he really did feel like a different person to me. Um, he kind of has this, like, I'm not asking permission to be here, and I'm not trying to win your acceptance. I am the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And it kind of kind of surprised me a little bit. You know, I, I, Not that it's necessarily a good thing, but when I used to think of Jordan Love, it was like this sort of, I don't want to say meek, but kind of a quiet, but you know, quietly confident, you know, good play, all this. And then he comes out and he's just like, well, let's just say all that stuff went out the window. So again, it all matters what's on the field, but it was it was definitely obvious to me a difference in his demeanor once he took over as the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And it's good to hear that that translates to the field. It's not just, in, you know, he gets in front of cameras and he acts like a big shot. He got his money. He knows the playbook. So there's some authority behind the confidence. He can correct guys, the, the, the receivers, the tight ends, the offensive line, all these different things. He can kind of get things the way he wants it and make sure guys are doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's kind of an interesting comment here from Elton Jenkins about, you know, what it is about his position that he feels good about. I really, I really just couldn't say, you feel me? But um, I feel like it come natural. When I first moved there, when I was in college, and I think it was like on the back end of the season, and it just felt like it was more natural um, than the right side, honestly. So um, I'll say anything on the left side, from the middle to the left side, probably would be more comfortable for you, honestly. So I, I had never even considered something like that that it's it has less to do with tackle and guard and center 
as it does with left or right. So, I mean, he's saying he would be more comfortable and probably produce at a higher level at left tackle than right guard or at center than right guard or right tackle for that matter. Which again is interesting to me because I I have never given up hope on him being a tackle at some point. Ideally, we'll never need that because we've got a fantastic guard and if we can find tackles that can play tackle and everything else, then, then we're good. But if the coaches feel the same way about Elton Jenkins, then he may not at some point move from left guard back to right tackle. He may at some point move from left guard to left tackle after Bakhtiari leaves. That may be the move. So interesting that I, 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 if somebody would have asked me that, you know, in Packernet After Dark or something, I probably would have said, not really. I know that it's different, but I wouldn't have thought that it was as big of a deal as, you know, guard tackle center. So anyways, that is it for Mr. Elton Jenkins. Got a really short one here from Samori Ture. This is how this one starts off. I mean, yeah, I've gained probably around eight pounds from the end of the season last year. By the end of the season last year, I was probably like one, 184, 185. I'm up to around 193, you know, but, uh, you know, I feel like it's helped me be a little more physical so far, but at the end of the day, it's just about being able to be durable, being able to last through the season. So, you know, we'll see how that works out. So interesting note there. Um, some of you may have already known that, but I mean, that is a pretty big jump. And, and for a couple of reasons, I mean, first of all, he was down into the low 180s, which is a small guy. I don't think I really realized how small he was. Second of all, they asked him to bulk up um, primarily for fear of his ability to last at that small of a weight. I do wonder how he's going to be able to play. I mean, if you take a guy that's, you know, a, a, a relatively fast guy with some pretty good agility and you pack like 10 pounds on him, it could be positive, but even he said it's it's you know it's helped me to be a little bit more physical, I guess. Although physicality is largely a mentality, but I guess ten pounds wouldn't hurt. But I, I I just can't help but wonder if this is going to hurt him more than help him. I mean, I in my mind he's teetering on the edge as it is in terms of his ability to play at a at an NFL level and compete. And if he just if if that being one hundred and eighty some odd pounds is the, the thing that's kind of helping him have that slight competitive edge, that little bit of extra speed, that little bit of extra agility, and, and he just lost that. Again, it's it's an interesting side note, and, and maybe it'll help him, but um, it seems like the Packers want him to bulk up just because they don't want 180-pound receivers on the field. Not necessarily because they're like, you know what would really make you a good wide receiver? Adding 10 pounds. But maybe. I don't know. Next question. Should we expect to see a big year two jump from you, essentially? That manifest itself yeah, uh, I feel like I've made a big jump. You know, I feel like that's been something that's been consistent with me even throughout college. You know, I've been able to make a lot of progress throughout each year. Uh, it's just a matter of being comfortable with the system, uh, the playbook and speed of play, all that. You know, and it's really just about learning from your mistakes and from the previous year. And I feel like you know, I can build on what I did last year. When it comes to- so that was mostly it. There was one final question there about, you know, are you grateful for the little bit that you got last year? Or do you wish you had more? And obviously, I mean, it's, again, pretty straightforward answer that you could assume is I'm grateful for it. Of course, I would have liked to add more. But yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be interesting with this wide receiver group. I mean, it would almost be fun to kind of do like a little side bet, side pool or whatever for the wide receivers. And, and maybe we could all rank where we think they're going to end up. You know, is it in order? Watson, Dobbs, Reed, then what? Wicks, then Ture, then DeBose. Maybe we slot in Deuce Watts or something. Is it, you know, Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Ture, Wicks, DeBose? DeBose, Ture, Wicks. Is it Reed, Watson, Dobbs? Is it Dobbs, Watson, Reed? 
crazy thing is you can almost do just about any combination, assuming, you know, if, if you just keep it at the top three and then the next three, pretty much any combination within that is somewhat reasonable. Then you start mixing and matching throughout that, it gets to be a little bit more iffy in my mind, but still would be interesting to see what kind of combinations would come up. And I don't know how you would do it. I mean, on one hand, you'd think I, I would want to do something like pick an advanced stat or a grade or something, the PFF grade, PFF receiving grade, EPA, EPA per target, whatever, yards per route run. The problem is you're going to have some guys with limited snaps that are going to have inflated or deflated grades or something. But I guess the alternative to that would be production, and obviously limited snaps are going to hurt you there too, because that's the whole point. But I don't think that would be the worst thing. Like, you know, um, rank them by PFF grade and, and with a minimum of however many snaps. Who are going to be our west, best wide receivers? There's probably going to be, what, four that have a pretty significant amount of snaps, maybe five. How's that going to shake out? And then if you throw in the tight ends, oh, that'd be fun. Throw in Musgrave, Kraft, and DeGuara. Just call them all receivers. So Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Wicks, DeBose, Ture, Musgrave, Kraft, DeGuara. And then you got some wild cards like Tyler Davis, Jeff Cotton, Malik Heath, Bo Melton, Deuce Watch, uh, Jadakiss Bonds, Austin Allen, Cameron McDonald. I think we should do it. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break here. We'll come back and see what Matt LaFleur has to say, and then we'll see what how much time we got left after that, if any. If you wouldn't mind, please consider donating to patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. I was just looking at it. When I tell you I'm losing more than I'm gaining, I have lost pretty close to 100 patrons. <laughs> I was closing in. I had a goal set of, let's see if we can get to 300, 300 patrons. I'm sitting at 191 patrons right now. I am sub 200. So uh, I understand times have been tough lately, but um, if you appreciate the work that I'm doing, two podcasts a day and whatnot, and you think you can, um, if you're able to support the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. Again, you can do it for as little as $1 a month. As I've said in the past, if every single listener gave a dollar a month, I'd be set. I'd be, I'd be done. This is all I would have to do for the rest of my life. So please consider it. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We'll be, uh, we'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. 
Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. We've been using the pretty much the full two hours, so... Um, we had two minutes going in today and wanted to get a move the ball period prior to that. Um, but we had to, we had to adjust a little bit and at least we got one of the two minutes in. So, um, but I thought the guys, they've been, they've been competing hard and I think the attitude has been outstanding and just try to continue to get a little bit better each and every day. So that was just his opening statements. Nothing super, uh, massive there, but it, it is, uh, Shouldn't even have to say it, but it is good to hear that they're use, utilizing the full two hours. You know what I, I wonder about that? Because I'm guessing the coaches ideally would always want to maximize the amount of time on the field, but sometimes they have to pull up a little bit short. I, I know um, back in the day with McCarthy, they used the GPS system. I don't know if the Packers still utilize that or what, but I'm sure they're using some kind of biometric tracking. I wonder if the fact that it is a more youthful team means that they can push him a little more and not have to worry necessarily about the repercussions of burnout, right? I mean, if you think about like Mercedes Lewis, a lot of these guys, they, they would they would have veteran rest days, which just means it, you're more beneficial being rested than you are being pushed. It's not worth that extra toll on your body. These are young guys, so we can run them into the ground and then the next day they're completely back up to 100%, you know? They don't have that like two-year-old battery that starts to get hot. You know, when you charge it, and you charge it all the way up to 100%, it lasts 20 minutes, which is great because number one, they need the extra time. And number two, if we have a team that can be worked harder and, and pushed harder, that obviously is going to work to our benefit as opposed to having to monitor sort of the lowest common denominator. Granted, you could pull a guy out, but if, you know, half the team is 29, 30, 31 or older, late 30s, 40, it's best to just shut the whole thing down. But if you're looking at it and going, I don't know, dude, we got like Bakhtiari and, uh, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> Bak, if you want to wanna sit, you can sit, but uh, we're going to keep working. I don't know that. I'm just speculating. Because again, he, he talks about it in terms of um, we've, we've been able to utilize the full two hours. Now, this last practice, part of what he was talking about, there was a storm, so they had to pull up short. But he's, prior to that, he's been saying that they've been able to utilize the full two hours. In other words, it's something that's somewhat out of his control, which makes me think that there are people monitoring this and, and kind of shutting it down at certain points. Or, or, or the coaches have things in place to say, okay, we need to kind of wrap this thing up or something. They haven't had that happen. I'm just speculating. I don't know. As far as guys working hard, playing hard, it's not something I put a ton of stock in because I don't... Well, that's actually not true. I was going to say I've never heard them say that. And, and that's not... I mean, do you have to go back to the McCarthy days? But I do remember there being some complaints about, you know, we got to get the energy up, you know, stuff like that. It's been a long time, though, generally speaking. And in fact, for a lot of years, and again, I think we're going back to McCarthy, but maybe bled into a little bit of Matt LaFleur. There's been some talk about, like, this is the most energy I've seen from guys. And it's like, okay. But I guess that's better than the alternative. Next comment he makes, I couldn't hear the question, but... 
again, we're going to we're going to keep hammering that same thing. OTAs, do they matter? Let's see what Matt LaFleur has to say. Yeah, it's always important. Um, certainly as coaches, we feel that way and but it's voluntary and so these guys have a decision to make and certainly we we love being around the guys and I think we got a great group of guys um, that are focused on getting better and becoming closer as a team and um, I think we've been able to accomplish I I don't want to let that just slide let's be very clear about what he said he's happy that we have a bunch of guys that are focused on getting better and focused on getting closer as a team that is to say very specifically if you are not here, that is not your focus. Accomplish a lot, and you know, over the the course of this time. So, and and the end of that was they've been able to accomplish a lot. So again, if I have not made it clear to everybody that says the OTAs don't matter, shorts and shirts, voluntary, blah blah, freaking blah. They're working hard. They have been able to accomplish a lot. And if you care about getting better as an individual, as a player and as getting closer as a team, you're going to be here. Um, In an effort to not just play every single question and every single comment, I'll summarize the next two. Uh, Number one, very excited about traveling out to Cincinnati to to practice against them. He said that it'll be an even better opportunity for the guys to bond as they travel out there together. It also breaks up the monotony, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Man, I'm on YouTube, and they've got these you know, suggested videos. And my new best friend, Chef Jean-Pierre, has got a barbecue short rib, rib just sitting there staring at me. It's like, dude, get out of my face. I'm, try- I'm trying to focus here, Chef. Fortunately, Sam, the cooking guy, has grilled veggies, which is freaking disgusting. I don't know what that guy's problem is. I like Sam, but grilled veggies? Come on, bro. Anyways, uh, the, the next question and answer had to do with um, Jordan loves playing time in the preseason, and his answer is, we have no idea. We're not there yet. So it, it's it's good, again, because we always do this routine where we're like, it's obvious this, that, or the other. Well, I know he's going to do I know that. The Packers don't even know. How do you know? They haven't figured it out yet. And he said he's not closed any single door. Anything is possible. At this point, they'll figure it out later in time. They haven't gotten to the point of determining who needs how much playing time and how to balance all that. So a bunch of other uh, sort of simple stuff. He kind of lays out the schedule for what they're going to do in Cincinnati. I don't find that massively important, especially in, uh, what is it, June? Um, Talked a little bit about Bakhtiari. He said he's probably struggling without Aaron Rodgers, but he's been a positive influence. He's been helping coach up the guys. And then uh, mostly just, I don't know, the guys are competing, blah, blah, blah. But the first actual specific thing, sort of, is uh, when asked specifically, which I like when they ask things specifically, because otherwise you just get nothing answers. Although you can get nothing answers on anything. But um, specifically talking about Romeo Dobbs, he had four catches on the final drive. Is, are, are there, is there kind of a thing growing between Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs? Yeah, Rome's done an outstanding job. It's, it's amazing the jump that you see from guys from year one to, into year two in terms of just the overall knowledge. And then they have to go apply that and, and bring it to the field. And I think, you know, Rome when he first got here, he started off really strong, and I thought he was having an outstanding season, and then unfortunately he, he got injured versus Detroit, and I think that, you know, affected him. It affected all of us, and um, so it's good to see him kind of pick up where he was at at, at one time, and um, very encouraged by his progress, his, and just his overall knowledge. He, you can tell he feels comfortable. I think really all the guys that were a part of it last year that were rookies 
it's it's amazing how much or how far they've come up to this point. So first of all, I love the word amazing there. <laughs> it's it's not just yes they've grown because duh. It's like shock and awe, but not because you've seen it before, but still like again, we we tend to forget. We put these guys in their box and say this is what they are and it's like no, that's what they were when they had no idea what they're doing. They've taken a massive leap in their knowledge and understanding. I also like the point about Romeo Dawes because we can all speculate without actually knowing, but it's great to hear from the head coach that what we saw early, that flash, in his mind, it wasn't fake. In his mind, that's exactly who Romeo Dobbs was, and that's just out of the gate. Then after his injury, he struggled, and not just physically, but maybe mentally with, with the injury and everything else and kind of maybe being left behind a little bit. Christian Watson emerged and all that, and kind of hard getting his footing back. Now, if it wasn't for that injury, you would look at it and just go, yeah, he started hot, but I guess it was fake. And you can still think that. I still tend to think that. Like, he, you know, he started hot early, and then, you know, it, it just kind of fizzled. It's no different than Christian Watson. When he first came in, he had what, seven touchdowns in five games, billion yards or whatever, and that started to taper. And you knew that wasn't maintainable, but even now, if you average out since week 10 to the end of the season, I mean, the touchdowns are fine, but he only had would have about 800 yards. So even if you replicated what he did from week 10 on, he's a sub-1,000 yard receiver, which obviously has not put you in the elite stratosphere, not even close. So even despite the great start, it, it fizzled enough that the average, again, touchdowns aside, is um, still not quite where you'd want it to be. And, and there's, there's no injuries there. There's no reason to think that anything caused the slowdown. It's just a natural slowdown. But with, with Dobbs, at least as far as the, from the coach's standpoint, in terms of what I've seen, I saw the guy early on. I saw him afterwards, and I'm seeing him now, and I'm telling you, he's back to what he was when he first came out and was looking like he was going to be our top receiver of the year. And when you hear stuff like that, as much as it may not be, and he even said, you know, you got to take it and apply it on the field, which is true of not just Jordan Love, but everybody. Yeah, we, we can practice it and we can see the knowledge in the classroom and all that stuff. And that's great. And you've checked every single box, but if you can't put it on the field, it's not worth anything. So that, that makes me look back at that, like, okay, who's your one, two, three, four, five, six at wide receiver. And it's like, ah, I mean, Dobbs could be three. He could also be one. <laughs> Then we, we jump from Romeo Dobbs to Sean Clifford. I don't know why we decided. I mean, we could have talked about Watson, could have talked about Wyatt, could have talked about Quay. Granted, some of these guys are, are taking some reps off and whatnot, but there's so many guys. I, this Samore, uh, Elton Jenkins, and, and uh, he, he did talk about Bakhtiari, but not necessarily on the field. I guess it goes without saying, but still, the fact that they're healthy. Jordan Love, Musgrave, Kraft. Lucas Van Ness. No, no, no. We got to go to Sean Clifford. Here's what he had to say about how Sean Clifford's doing. Sean's done a nice job. I think there's there's still a lot uh, um, of growth in front of him, obviously. But uh, it's just, you know, it's about, it's it's different for these guys that maybe haven't had the the long play calls and all that and being under center. And so there there's definitely a transition there. So I, I'll be honest, I like Sean Clifford more than most. Um, when I, you know, as soon as we made some draft picks, the first thing I did during the live stream, even as I went and I went and 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 watched some film on the guys. And I was kind of blown away with some of the stuff he was able to do. Now, as, uh, our resident draft analyst, Jake Shavink pointed out to me, um, he really wasn't a fan. And one of the biggest things is he just grabs the ball and starts running for seemingly no reason. But that's, I mean, that's a coaching point, you know, what blew me away 
was he's one of those guys. He's probably one of the few guys, especially beyond the first couple quarterbacks, that really made some just unbelievable throws. Like pressure in his face, freaking sidearm, no-look dart to a guy for a touchdown. Like, what the heck was that? So I I think from the Packers' standpoint, you look at it and say, okay, he's probably the smartest quarterback in this entire draft class, right? He's a brilliant guy, so he's going to be a good backup to hold the clipboard, et cetera, et cetera. But he's also going to be a guy that's going to be able to take on a lot of coaching points and and learn the offense quickly. And he also has a relatively high ceiling because he's a decent athlete and can do some crazy stuff as far as his arm talent goes. So there's concerns about consistency, of course, but why not take a swing at the guy and see what his ceiling is? Or, Or maybe a better way of putting it is see if he has the ability to reach his ceiling. And worst case scenario, you got a really good clipboard holder. Which also reminds me, I, I probably won't. I had, uh, who was it that sent me that? Uh, Taylor on Twitter over at, uh, what was that, TF Kendrick? He sent me the, uh, the Draft Dudes podcast when they, they're breaking down each individual team, and one of them was the Green Bay Packers, and I really appreciated what they had to say. I thought that they went about things the right way. Don't necessarily agree with every single thing, but um, they, they, they actually, unlike anybody else, they actually sat down and um, watched the tape, learned the players, and um, I, I, I just generally agreed with everything. And mostly it was just, you never know. I mean, it's possible that this, it's possible that that, and I mean, it, it's impossible to know, right? Which is the right answer. And that's what happens when you actually take time to learn about the team and have good takes as opposed to just whatever garbage comes off the top of your head. The one thing that I didn't fully understand, though, was when they talked about the backup quarterback and how they would have gone in a different direction. And I don't necessarily understand it in terms of, like, I was on board with the Matt Ryan thing before I think he retired, right? I don't know. Um, I was all on board with that. He understands the offense. He'd be a great tutor and a great coach and a great mentor. And as long as that's where they were going with it, I understood it. But where they took it was, I don't understand it because we've learned the backup quarterback is an important position in case your starter goes down. And if the starter goes down in Green Bay, well, then you're kind of done. And maybe it's just because I'm a Packer fan and that's always been our reality, but I don't understand that. First of all, how many teams are screwed if their starter goes down? I would guess pretty close to every single one of them. Some of them are screwed before their starter goes down because their quarterback isn't even starter caliber. How many teams have a backup quarterback that you believe genuinely, if the starter goes down, this guy can take him to and help him win a Super Bowl? Is there one? They even went on to talk about, you know, you look at Pittsburgh, they got... uh, they got Trubisky out there. They got, like, excuse me, what? I mean, Trubisky did a decent job as, as the Steelers quarterback. He was better than he was with the Bears. But freaking Trubisky's going to go win a Super Bowl with the Steelers? What are we talking about here? I mean, I, I, I guess I understand that their thought is, you know, at least somebody can go out and maybe win some games, and this guy's going to be just a complete disaster. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Fair enough. But, um, I mean, it's, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not too worried. I'm, I'm more worried about whether or not our starter is going to be a good football player or not. If he's a really good football player and the worst case scenario is he gets injured and the guy that comes in doesn't do a good enough job to win, I think we're in a good spot. And we'll rectify that situation at a later date, but uh, you know, we, we've got our guy for the next however many years. If he's not a good quarterback, I would rather not have a good backup. I know, I know, oh no, you shouldn't take and blah, blah, blah. I don't give a crap, dude. If he goes out, let's just not even have a quarterback. Let's have Lucas Van Ness play quarterback. I don't care. Let's get uh, Jonathan Ford to play quarterback. Let's get that number one pick and let's fix that that position. But I, I guess I do 
can understand it from the standpoint of at least you have kind of a chance of winning some games so that when your starter comes back they can they're you're not completely out of contention i don't know i it's a minor point but anybody that's hemming and hawing about i can't believe we don't have this super good who 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 who's the guy who's the cheap backup quarterback we need to get that's going to make a massive difference in our season i i'm not even necessarily opposed to it i i just i want to make sure we understand exactly what we're talking about i mean we we knew we we do know that like drew Brees is not coming back right actually matt ryan isn't reti- i thought he was retired i'd be fine with matt ryan but again even that it has more to do with what he does as a backup than it does as what is he what does he do as a starter i mean you watched him last year right that was painful and again that's just where they lost me it's not that i think they could have gone the veteran route it's more the reason behind it not not to help matt uh, jordan love but because you might need him no none of these guys are going to help us win football games i'm sorry and again, they, they may still do that. They may still go out and go get somebody. But again, I'm on board with that insofar as we're talking about what they're going to do as a backup. But again, the, the slight... You know, look, there, there, there's, a, there's a couple names that have had good portions of their career that you can maybe talk yourself into being slightly competent, maybe kind of, sort of. But... I don't know. I, I think the whole thing is just stupid from the standpoint of like, that, that's not what we should be hoping for. Like if Jordan Love doesn't pan out, then no, 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 not, not then Matt Ryan, not well then Carson Wentz. That's not it. That's not what we're doing. And Matt LaFleur does go on to talk about it. And it says one of the issues is, you know, you bring another guy in here. We don't have enough reps to go around, right? Jordan needs the vast majority. And we know the two young guys are going to need a lot of work because we still need to be able to see them. So how much work do we actually get this veteran in in our system how how many snaps does he get not very many at all um getting back to important questions how close is stokes to getting back on the field he's done he's done a great job i think he's made a lot of strides in in uh, his rehab and he's been running around and so hopefully you know before the end of this maybe he'll he'll get in there for some individual i don't foresee him in any team situations through the course of otas and into minicamp now that isn't necessarily telling um, I don't, I mean, maybe you can read between the lines and figure out what that means. It it does sound like there are still some issues that, you know, he's not going to be doing physical contact stuff and he knows that. And if he can't do it through, if he's quite positive, he won't be doing it through training camp. I think it's fairly safe to say he won't be playing week one or close to it. That's the best I can do though. Uh, next question was about offensive line. Um, he said, it looks like you got the left side locked up, but what about center, right guard, right tackle? Is that something that you're going to try to figure out all the way through training camp? And Matt LaFleur essentially said, yes, which is agreeing with the right side is set and also with, you know, we won't know. Now, that doesn't mean he isn't 95% sure about some of these positions, but it sounds like he's going to let these guys rotate and compete all the way through to get as much information as can possibly be had and then, you know, go from there. I still feel very, 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 very confident that Myers and Runyon will be our center and right guard. I don't know who's going to win right tackle, but I believe it'll be Zach Tom. Uh, We'll skip the A.J. Dillon comments because it's pretty boilerplate stuff. You know, is this an important year for him? Every year is an important year for him. Okay. Then he asks about uh, Musgrave um, and how he looks different than other tight ends that we've had, and here's what Matt LaFleur had to say. He is different. That was it. That was a whole quote, but it, it, it just... The smirk on the face and the, the he is different just makes you feel good, you know? 
because it's it's it really is true we've had a lot of tight ends come through here we've had a lot of different failures and so to just look at it and go here's another opportunity here's another swing you know another and it's even though it's kind of a known thing it's still nice to have the head coach simply flat out say this is different than we've ever had sorry tunyon sorry sternberger sorry you know mercedes and everybody else like this is a different skill set i guess i don't want to say he's a better player because i wouldn't want to tarnish mercedes reputation that way but we've just never had a guy like this in fact most teams have probably never really had a guy like luke musgrave uh he kind of rambles for a bit but we'll pick it up here it is that we're installing so uh, but he's a really really intelligent player i think every time he goes out there if he, if he makes a mistake he definitely he hasn't made many of the, the same mistakes twice because he's he's super into it um, very intentional deliberate about his work um, invested and he he continues to show progress every day and certainly he's he does have an elite trait that he can flat fly and he's he's a big long target so we're we're really excited about him and the progress he's made up to this point and we've got to continue to push him so that's got to make you feel good and and you know again it's real early but I'm I am uh, put pushing my chips into the Musgrave bucket. Not to say that Kraft isn't the guy, and he might end up being a better tight end or whatever. Or, but when you look at it and you just think, look, I know there's a lot of Tucker Kraft believers and all that. But when you look at the skill set of Musgrave compared to the skill set of Tucker Kraft, then you look at the Packers' second round hit rate compared to the third round hit rate. What the heck are we thinking? Even trying to guess who's going to emerge here. Now, granted, I don't know if Tucker Kraft has been on the field at all. I know that he missed some time. I don't know if he missed all the time. So it's possible Kraft goes and takes the field and is just freaking, he's the dude at that point. But um, it's just, it, it's like a lot of things where when somebody starts to emerge, you look at it and go, we should have seen that coming. Six foot six, and he can run like no other tight end can run. Second round, essentially a second round receiver picked by the Packers. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Picked him ahead of Jaden Reed. Come on. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But this one maybe should have been obvious to us. Next question. What is it about the tight end position that is tough for rookies to kind of figure out or whatever? Well, there's just so much that you have to, um, you know, so much knowledge that you have to acquire in terms of you're responsible in the running game and in the pass game, and you might have some protection responsibility. So, back position out of the ball, the tight ends have to know the second most of anybody because they they've got every facet of the game. Yeah, and and that makes sense. I mean, you're you're essentially an offensive line wide receiver hybrid, right? So you've got to understand the blocking, like an offensive lineman. I mean, if you're in line, you have to work in unison with these guys and understand where everybody needs to be and understand the running scheme and where the running back's going and the timing and all that stuff, all whilst trying to stay with the wide receivers in the wide receiver room and understanding the routes and all that kind of stuff and the timing and the passing. And so that's that's tough. Uh, skip the next question, essentially just talking about how, you know, putting together the offense is tough, um, trying to toe the line between not putting too much on the guy's shoulders, but also making sure that you have enough of an offense to be able to play in the NFL, you know. But anyways, that's about it. I mean, again, nothing extremely insightful, but it is nice to kind of get some insights. And obviously they have much more insights than we do. We, we've seen two practices, seen, I mean, you know, the media's seen, but they've run, I believe, six now. So they've had a lot of time to kind of get a look at these guys. Um, 
you know, Lucas Van Ness, I don't think I played any of the clips, but a lot of talk about, you know, he's just a big dude. I mean, Elton Jenkins kind of talked about it. Like, I haven't really talked to him, but I've seen him in the locker room. He's a big guy, but we'll be ready for him kind of thing. Um, I, I love this sneak peek stuff of OTAs. I love kind of getting a chance just to kind of see things and where things are at and as much as we want to downplay it, and rightly so. I mean, you know, as far as how much we can actually take and apply to what's going to happen in the regular season, not a ton, but it's still nice to get a taste of it. But I'm already starting to get greedy and get hungry for the next portion of this. I want to see these guys get their pads on. I want to see them go up against some other competition. I want to see how these guys do. You know, I want to see live action. Is Musgrave going to be able to do some stuff? against our linebackers against our safeties is Kraft going to be able to do it what's Jaden Reed you know who's going to be the 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 target you know it's just the offensive line and Lucas Van Ness unleashed and Devontae Wyatt taking a step and I've I've never had an offseason where I've been more excited about the offseason and I feel like I say that every year but Jordan Love alone is like one of the more massive things that has ever really happened in terms of the offseason and how crazy it's going to be i mean granted you know last year it was kind of similar in terms of we're going to get a lot of jordan love so that's kind of cool but this is like he's the guy plus we get the bonus of seeing sean clifford and i think he's going to be a fun guy to watch and i think fans are going to end up loving this guy just based on his attitude his demeanor his play style and all that um lou nichols i'm beyond excited to watch lou nichols seeing how the wide receivers shake out you know christian watson seeing if romeo dobbs is like the dude watching Jaden reed then we got debose and wicks on top of that we got musgrave we got Kraft, we got the offensive line and how that's going to shake out you got again lucas van ness but you got carl brooks colby wooden you got Devonte wyatt taking another step hopefully seeing how slayton slots in is that like lock number one dude uh kingsley and igbare's second round step or second year step hopefully uh you know johnson and valentine rudy ford anders carlson you know zach tom sean ryan rasheed walker and caleb jones too i mean those are two guys that were really impressive at tackle but it was like i don't know we got too many tackles dude i don't know what to tell you uh quay quay walker Tariq. And all this discounts the the third year starters. You know that's when guys supposedly take their you know biggest leaps or whatever. You got Royce, you got Josh Myers that everybody's been waiting on. Slayton, who I mentioned. You got Shamar, you got uh, McDuffie. I mean, not necessarily guys you have massively high hopes in, but I mean, if nothing else, Josh Myers. I mean, this is big circle around him, right? This is year three. You've had three years at that position. Let's go, man. Kind of like year three for Deguara in a way, since his first year was an injured year. But, you know, and, and DeGuar's another good one because he's probably going to get a lot. Well, maybe he won't get a lot of time if Kraft and Musgrave just bulldoze ahead of him. Then he's still the number three guy. But I don't know. There's a lot to be excited about, and I can't wait to to really start to dig into to these guys. But we're going to leave it at that. Uh, again, the plan for tomorrow will be to cover some of the news and notes of OTAs. But um, that's it. You guys have a good day. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>